Last week, uh, we, as we're going through the communion part of the divine service, we were examining the sanctus. We took a look at two, particularly two uh, scriptures. Uh, Isaiah 6, which is the first part of the sanctus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Uh, Lord of Sabaoth, and heaven and earth are full of your glory. Psalm 118, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is then used by the crowds that are welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And so you have the Hosanna uh, to the Son of David. And we saw that these two songs, if you will, that of the angels in heaven and then us on earth, what it taught us is that here in our Lord's coming to suffer and die and take away our sins and rise again, uh, that we see the Father's love. God is revealed, and so the whole earth is full of his glory. It's already full of his glory in heaven, but we don't know who he is here until he reveals himself to us. And when he reveals himself, as the one who has come for us, we welcome him who comes to us. In Lord's Supper, Jesus is present. He comes to us in his body and blood, uh, asking us to receive the, that for the forgiveness of sins. And so this sanctus introduces the Lord's Supper and, and, and what it is. So we took a look at that last time. Uh, Mary noticed that there was a about four words that said the canon was excised and uh, thought maybe I wanted to address that last Sunday. Um, I'm going to have trouble addressing that with 60 minutes this Sunday. Um, uh, those four words tell us a little bit more than... Uh, anyway, they're full. Um and, and what's kind of crazy about it is that uh, though there is a lot in saying that it was cut out, it was excised, uh, it's, it's not because there's so much there in our liturgy. It's gone. But similar to this morning where we have pre-Lent and then Lent, what happens? The glory in excelsis goes away. Um, but if you haven't been at church for eight months, you wouldn't even know that it was gone. But if you've been here, it's noticeable that it's gone. There's a reason why we need to notice that our liturgy is, is, is different, that something is, is missing. As I said, you can't really tell. There's the sanctus. Uh, following the Lord's Prayer there. I don't know what happened. A drawing here occurred. Can't exercise the Lord's Prayer. All right. Anyway, um, here's what I showed you. Um, I showed you that in the Augustan Service Book Order of, of Service, as you come down towards the bottom dealing with the Communion Service, We've talked about the preface, the proper preface, the sanctus, and then we've got the Lord's Prayer, words of institution, 
and the peace of the Lord um, with uh, getting out. Uh, but but there's uh, something missing. Um, over on this side in the uh, Roman Mass, uh, there is something called the canon, and I list some of those things. Let me just make a quick overview, just quick kind of mentioning. Um, you don't have to uh, know all of the parts as such. Oh, I hope this works. <laughs> this could not be helpful. If it comes up, it comes up. If it doesn't, you'll get it vocally. There's primarily three parts uh, in the... Uh, you've got a... Uh, a white sheet um, that has uh, a listing on the back. Um, I'm not so much concerned. Most of those things are just the, uh, even when it has a Latin word, it's just letting you know that's a particular <laughs> prayer um, that goes with it. There were quite a few. There were about seven prayers before the words of addition, those that after. Uh, primarily, there are three parts. In the Roman Mass. There was the preparation, that's which came. There was the canon, and then there was the communion itself. The preparation part, um, way up here, where they would talk about the offertory, Luther pretty well cut the thing out. We've already talked about that. The only thing that he left, he cut out the prayers that go with it. Um, and the only thing he left was uh, Psalm 51, the canticle, Create in Me. We receive the offering and we sing Create in Me as a response to the word. But he pretty well cut it out. Uh, when we get down to the second part, which is primarily the canon, uh, you know, we kept the preface, proper preface in Sanctus, but he pretty well cut it all out, except for the Lord's Prayer and the words of institution. When it comes to uh, the communion itself, some of the things, like the fraction and, and whatever, but the Agnus Dei, the peace of the Lord, and then the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he cut. So he pretty well cut. But there's two notable things where he, he cut those things out. Why? He cut them out because... If I can get to it, it will show. That one was showing. There are... Uh, Augsburg Confession, Article 2. He says that the Mass and the Papacy must be the greatest and most horrible abomination. He's talking about those canon, those prayers, the things that were there, as it directly and powerfully conflicts with this chief article, with the justification by grace through faith, the gospel. And yet, above and before all other popish idolatries, it has been the chief and most spacious. For it has been held that this sacrifice or work of the Mass, that's what they call it, even though it was rendered by a wicked and abandoned scoundrel, frees men from sins both in this life and in purgatory. That's what it was doing. Luther, in the Oxford Confession, 
uh, goes on, uh, I think this is it's not the object of Christology. Uh, it says, well, only the Lamb of God shall and must do this. In other words, only Jesus frees us from that. Um, what is this? He talks about, uh, the Apology talks about, it's a pure invention of man. And every invention of man can be set aside. We can do the sacrament in a better and more blessed way according to the institution uh, of, of Christ. In another place, he says, or it says, but since the Mass is nothing else, it can be nothing else, as the canon declares, than a work of men even of wicked scoundrels, by which one attempts to reconcile himself and others to God and to obtain and merit the remission of sins and grace. Down number 11. In addition to this, they call it the dragon's tail, I mean the mass, has begotten numerous vermin brood of manifold idolatries. From this has come uh, uh, so much. There are other places in which he writes uh, concerning this. uh, That other abomination follows, which forces all that precedes in the Mass into its service and is therefore called the offertory. From here on, almost everything smacks and savors of sacrifice. And the words of life and salvation, the words of institution, are embedded in the midst of it all, just as, just as the ark of the Lord once stood in the idol's temple next to Dagon. And there was no Israelite who could approach it or bring back the ark until it smote his enemies in the hinder parts, putting them to a perpetual reproach. And it forced them to return it, which is a parable of the present time. Let us therefore repudiate everything that smacks of sacrifice, together with the entire canon, and retain only that which is pure and holy, and so order our Mass. Here's what we got. Luther says, from the prep offertory, the thing that came before it, and then the canon, which had the words of institution stuck in the middle of it, he said, it all smacks of sacrifice. It all smacks of a work of man. Here's what we're doing, and we're offering up to you, O God, and if you'll accept what we're doing for you, um, you'll give us some stuff, like forgiveness and and stuff. Maybe even for our dead relatives, and he kind of goes on. He says, we can't keep it. We can't keep it. We have got to. All of that uh, um, has got to be cut out. He likens it to you know, the Old Testament story where uh, they, they capture the Ark of God, they take it into their temple where Dagon is, and you've got his uh, statue up there, and you might remember in the next morning they, they come in to worship Dagon, and Dagon, the statue, has fallen down face, face first. Um, and so they set Dagon back up. Uh, the next day they come in to worship their false statue and, uh, and all. Dagon has fallen face first and his head's broken off. Um, finally, by the third day, they said, we've got to get this out of here. Um, you know, there's going to be nothing left of our God. Luther says, we have got to cut this out. Um, and that's exactly what uh, uh, happens. Um, why? Because the Mass... The service of Lord's Supper is not a sacrifice. 
It's not a good work. It's not what we offer up to God. So all of that needed to remove, as Luther says, we can keep that which is holy. Lord's Prayer, words of institution. He kept the sanctus above. Um, as you can see, it's the Word of God that, that, that He keeps. Um, and the right explanation of it uh, as well. Mary? Was there anything else going on in the world or politically when he got on this chair to make these changes? Like it, it, You describe it as if it's like he had, studying all this, he had enough of what he thought was wrong. Were there other things that you know of that were going on that might have influenced when this happened? Well, um... You know, our Lord always works out everything in history according to his plan. And so whether it is the inventing of the printing press or whether it is the rejection uh, by the various political leaders against Roman rule and and what they're doing, you know, obviously. Uh, um, Or the uh, return to the classical texts and things of that sort. Yeah, there was a whole lot going on. In particular in the church, though, um, you might say, well, how, how would, this be, would this be well received? Absolutely not. And when Luther talks about how it um, uh, created a whole lot of other vermin, what he's saying is that, you know, you might say, oh, well, we could just correct the mass. Oh, no. It, that idea, which was not consistent with by grace through faith, receiving this sacrament as the forgiveness of sins, um, that had gone out into everything. And so, when you tried to take this away, you were trying to take away the reason for the priest, the reason for his work, you were taking away the money that they were earning, you were taking, I mean, it just, you know, this would have not gone over well. I was going to play for you and because I'm trying to do this a little bit more, I had about a seven-minute clip of a Roman priest who is explaining the canon of the Mass. So he's he's got a, I don't know, he's got about a 15-thing hour each or so that kind of goes, and when he gets to the canon of the Mass, he goes crazy. And he, and he goes, this is the most holy thing of anything, you know. And then and he talks about how great it is and how all of these prayers and all that, you know, the same thing that Luther says, you have got to cut this out. This is the worst thing ever. This is the best ever and it's the great, you know. And then he goes on to talk about, in this canon, I mean, to give you one example, in this canon of the Mass, there is prayers for the living and prayers for the dead. And there's a reference to invoking Mary and the saints and whatever. I mean, all of this kind of goes into it. And, and so this, this priest who's explaining, he says, Now, this heaven is so holy. Nobody wanted to, you couldn't touch it. And, and at one point, you know, he said, Joseph's name, uh, uh, the mother of Mary, is not in that list of people that you pray for. And, and everybody was saying uh, that, you know, you ought to, you, they were telling the Pope, you need to stick Joseph's name in there. I mean, because he's, he's pretty important, you know, and someone left him out, and we ought to, like, you know, include his name. And, and he goes on to talk about the Pope. I don't, I don't, I don't remember which one it was, Pius, 
I don't know, whatever. Hey, one of the popes, and they say to him, you know, you ought to change, you ought to stick this in. And the pope goes, I couldn't do that. The, the canon is so holy. He goes, I can't change the canon. I'm only the pope. <laughs> and so that's what this, and in response to this, the reason he's saying this is because when Vatican II came, uh, they changed it all. Um, so even though you have this listing of all this on the bat, they've simplified it. It's still all sacrifice. It still invokes the saints. It still does all the works of man. It's still a terrible, rotten whatever. But they think it's the greatest thing ever. Um, I can't remember why I went off on that. Mary, you were asking me... <laughs> what now? She was asking about the political events going on top of that. All right, so the importance, though, is that this is so important to them. And Luther said no. Um, Now, uh, Luther was careful. He was, uh, though they will say that he was radical in in cutting that all out. He was not. It took him a while. He proposed it once for the Latin Mass. He proposed it once for a German Mass. Um, in fact, Luther said, you know what? You can cut out all of that in the canon of the Mass. And he says, and one of the reasons why, you know, because he goes, listen, I don't want to offend the, the people. He goes, but it's all said silently by the priests up in front. They they don't even get to hear it anyway. He said, so just cut it out. Um, so that's, that's what he proposed. Um, comments, questions, I'll, I'll just keep pushing forward because I want to get to the words of institution. Karen, go ahead. I was just thinking what when you let the unleash the law, how it releases all the vermin. <laughs> but yeah. I thought of that analogy when he said that there. Pastor and then Rachel. Well, one of the things that didn't that that was very important in Europe at the time, but didn't affect the Lutheran Reformation until later, was the Turkish invasion. That drove the government's nuts, but it didn't bother Luther. And I think that that's that's important to remember. This has nothing to do with politics. It still doesn't have anything to do with politics. Because the Lord is going to do what he's going to do in his church or in the world, no matter what the politics are. So Luther is saying, let's get rid of all the stuff that is not scriptural. And that's what he's doing. Okay. Rachel? I know a few people here have been to a Catholic service or know Catholics well or whatever, but it was not immediately um, something I knew until I was an adult how much of the Catholic service is said silently by the priest where the people have no idea what he's saying, no idea what's being prayed, no idea what they are <coughs> there for, and a lot of it isn't even understood because it's said in Latin, which few people spoke at that time. And that changed everything with it being spoken to the people in the language that they used, or allowed, just generally. So this Roman priest says, uh, when it gets to that point where the priest is doing his thing, he says, that's his thing. He's doing the work. Um, he goes, you can, well, he said, you got a couple different things. You can get out your own book and kind of read along if you want to read those prayers, you know. He says, or you can kind of sing the Sanctus with the, uh, with the choir. The choir is going to be singing while he's doing his thing. He said, or you can just sit there and meditate. He goes, 
Uh, this, this, this video, this, oh. this, you know, he says that what you can do. Um, so, you know, we kind of go, well, wait a minute. Uh, you mean something's going on up there? Yeah. Um, but that doesn't make sense to us. But if you understand that this is a work, this is a sacrifice, and the guy up there is doing that sacrifice on your behalf, well, if you hear it or if you, it doesn't matter, as long as he does it. Um, and you can't do it. So that's what you got. Uh, to move forward, Luther proposed those two. When Luther proposed that, one of them, he had the Lord's Prayer uh, after the words of institution. In the other one, he had the Lord's Prayer before the words of institution. Over time, pretty well all of the Lutherans, as they did this, uh, took the Lord's Prayer and put it before the words of institution. And that's where it was. From the publication of his formula missae, the Latin one, till recent times, Lutheran Eucharistic Christ have omitted the prayers, the can of the Mass, followed the Sanctus and Benedictus in the Latin rite, uh, the blessed be who comes in the name of the Lord, leaving only the Lord's Prayer, the words of institution, uh, the Pax Domini is the peace of the Lord be with you always, and some of the private prayers. And he says, there are almost no exceptions to this general rule. This is the way Lutherans did it. It took a little bit. Again, Luther proposed it. But I'm going to say, by the time you get to uh, uh, you know, the, the end of the 1500s, pretty well all the Lutherans, uh, um, there may be one exception here, but pretty well, that's exactly what happened. And that's the way Lutherans did the service. So when you, you know, how did they do it? They did it this way. When the common service book came out, from which our Augustine is built upon or whatever, they followed the traditional order. 1958, or the 50s or whatever, when Reed started and some of the others did the common liturgy, they said, you know what? We need to stick a, a Eucharistic prayer back in there. And that's what they started to do. They wanted to, and, and uh, um, this was a problem. <laughs> because, you know, Hornet Lutherans hadn't done this. Well, we really need to get this kind of done. And so they were not following uh, what had been before. Let's see if this one will come up. Uh, First paragraph up there. Yeah, that that gives you some, but oh. but not all. Um, what did they say? They said the liturgy's fine, but we need we we would like some. It, it, this is too sparse because he cut all that out. We need something that's a little more, a little warmer, a little more. Uh. uh Contemporary. What? Contemporary. A little more relevant. A little more contemporary relevant. A little more kind of thing. Um, and they went on to say, and, and in fact, you know, the, the this do, there needs to be more thanksgiving. There needs to be more remembrance. That's what needs to happen. And so we'll get some more prayers or some more thanksgiving, some more remembrance. Um, and 
the, the this do, when our Lord said this do, they said, you know, it really includes four actions. Four actions. Taking, giving thanks, breaking, and distributing. <coughs> These four actions. Lutherans had never talked this way before. That there were four things that were included in this this do kind of thing. Um, and so you kind of go, hmm, interesting. What else was going on at the time? Well, this was the time that everyone wanted to be ecumenical. And they all wanted to go back to a, a time in which we were all united and together. And let's go back to the universal church. And you know, when Lutherans left, we started doing liturgy different from everyone else. We ought to start doing it like everybody else. Let's put some prayers back in. And that's what began to happen. That's the introduction. We need to take a look at the... Let's see if I can get that up. Your pink sheet. The very top of the page, the next section that we have... The holy part that Luther kept was the words of institution, right after the Sanctus. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. This do as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. These are our Lord's words. From the words of institution come our celebration of, of the sacrament. And we call it a sacrament. So, well, let's see what the words themselves, for some reason Luther thought that the words themselves could do it. Uh, that they were enough. Uh, that we didn't have to add our words to make this something else. <coughs> Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed. Monday, Thursday, Jesus, before he is going to be betrayed into uh, the hands of men by Judas in the Garden of Sanctuary, they gather together to celebrate uh, the Passover, and there our Lord institutes a new meal, which we call it the Lord's Supper, but it was on that night, and it was in connection with, we've got the historical reference to, the night that he was betrayed. That, that Monday, Thursday. Um, it, it, it's definitely, it's, it's not just saying, oh, it was Thursday. It's connecting us with what he did, that we might recognize that this is like the last thing to happen before... I mean, he, he saved this 
to, to, to do this right before they're going to take him away, and now he's got no chance to do anything else. So this was kind of his last parting words for them. So, when do we celebrate Lord's Supper? Every Sunday in divine services. So, why don't we look at this and say, well, let's do it on the day that Jesus did it. Let's do it on Monday, Thursday. And we do. Only. Only. Because that's, it says, on the night when it was betrayed. So we, we know the month Thursday. So we'll do it on the Thursday before Easter. We could just do it once. <coughs> is that what that's telling us? No, no, no. Why not? Because this is a gift that we get to use anytime. It is. And there's other words. But would those words tell you that you ought to do it? And, and, and maybe we ought to do it in connection with the Passover. Because on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he was doing Passover and then he did it. So why don't we have a Passover meal and then do the Lord's Supper right after it, just like Jesus did, and we'll do it on the Thursday before Easter only. Because when that Passover was just what was pointing to this in the first place. Yep. <laughs> so, like many things, there's a completion of what that was. It is a type and antitype. Well, it says here, remembrance of me. If we only do it once or twice a year, we're going to forget. <laughs> so, if we need to be reminded every, as often as possible, of what a wonderful sacrifice he made for us. That, that is true. And again, I think there are other words that point to it. You're exactly right. The other words do highlight that. Perfect. Right on. Because this is also pure gospel. There's no law in this. This is all gospel. And so it's something we always get. Jesus always offers, is always offering salvation to us through the gospel. So why shouldn't we be taking it whenever we may? So when Jesus is baptized... By John, where was he baptized? Why don't we get baptized in the Jordan River? That's the place the baptisms ought to be, and nowhere else. It doesn't say say about the river. What now? Doesn't say baptized in the Jordan. It just says to baptize. It says that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. Doesn't say said go and baptize and. So there's a difference between a historical event, which is being described. When it says that this is what happened, does that necessarily mean that you have to do what he did? Do you have to get baptized in the Jordan River? Do you have to get baptized in a river? No. No. Do you have to celebrate on Thursday? Do you have to do it in connection with that? No. It's telling us about the first one. I mean, we know the difference between telling us what's happening and when it tells us to do something. It doesn't tell us to do this on the Passover. In fact, it, it, yeah. that's simply you, you. You you know the difference when you see the same hour you betrayed. What did he do? He took bread. Okay. Um, what what does that mean? He took bread. Picked it up. He he took bread that was there that was around. Um. And when he had given thanks, 
That means he... Thank God for it. Thank God he had a prayer. Uh, uh, thank God for it. Is that a meal prayer? He broke it. It was unleavened loaves. Um, and so in order that people might be able to receive it, I, I mean, I guess you could pass them. I don't know. I'm like, why are you going to chunk out of it? Normally so, somebody's going to break it. You know? <laughs> uh, um, uh, uh, I mean, we, we, you know, we might... You know, we might say, well, I, I had this loaf of bread. What did you do? I sliced it, right? Um, and he gave it to his disciples, uh, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. The, 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 there, there is something mm-hmm. that says this do, Oh. It's in quotations. He says, take, eat, this, do in remembrance of me. Exactly. You know, that this do doesn't mean Thursday night. It doesn't mean, uh, uh, you know, all, everything that kind of went around. Obviously, there are things that happened. But it's not necessarily. In fact, one of the things in particular in our liturgy, and again, they, they changed it, you know, with, with the column liturgy and things of that sort, is... There is no breaking of the bread, the liturgical action. It doesn't tell the pastor. And it says, and when our Lord uh, uh, had given thanks, he break it. Well, watch me. I've got it held up. Watch me. I don't go like this. To, to, you know. In fact, I, I intentionally don't. And that's what the church did to let you know. And we set it down. And once we're done with the words of institution, and once we're uh, uh, getting ready to give it out, I do break it. But that's not important. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus didn't say you need. It's not, you know. There's quotation marks. We know what what uh, uh, needs to happen. Um, so no, that's not what's going on. But there does need to be something. There needs to be the giving out. And the eating, uh, and it tells us what it is. Uh, it's it's the bread, which is his body, and it tells us what. Ah, wait, there. We need to be doing remembrance. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to have this. Uh, um, the 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 words of institution is about having a a rem- and the more we remember, the better. So let's let's remember how the Lord created the world in six days, and let's remember that He brought people out of Egypt, and let's remember that John the Baptist came, and then let's remember—is that what this is telling us? Is it all about where you kind of go? Oh, man! If you don't have remembrance going on. You know, where's your prayer that can tell us all the stuff you're remembering? You're just not doing what Jesus said. Remember the words of the prophets. This is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. What are we doing? Well, you know, Jake says we're taking, eating the body. Not, not, that's one thing, and then the remembrance is something over here. What is it? 
Remembering that this is what he promised this is doing for us. <laughs> In other words, this is not just have a little snack, but when you're having this snack, when you're having this bread, which is my body, you need to do this trusting in faith, remembering what the Lord has done for you and what you're receiving. So that when you come forward, you don't just walk through these motions. You better know that you're coming forward to take this for the forgiveness of sins. That Jesus shed his body and blood and, and you are receiving. The remembrance is not something apart from that. It's not something something else. It the remembrance is taking knowing what it is. So uh, what let's see, we have uh, taking what what about what about the giving thanks? When he had given thanks. Is that what the words of institution are about? That he's telling us, you better give, I'm getting ready to suffer and die, make sure you give thanks. Have lots of prayers of thanks. Is that what the words of institution, I mean, once again, I mean, Jake said it quite well, (laughs) there's quotations here. We know he gave thanks. We know he had a dinner prayer. What was it? If I was supposed to do it, would be there. don't you think you would have listed the prayer that you were supposed to say, you know? And I'm pretty sure if that's what I'm supposed to do, I'm, just, I'm not going to get too close to Jesus. I mean, Jesus had probably had a pretty good prayer. Um, There's no reason to think he didn't pray the Lord's Prayer. So tell, I mean, just, we'll get to that another point, but, but truth, right, so how many prayers do we have from Jesus? The Lord's Prayer. Well, he didn't say our common table. <laughs> Come Lord Jesus. Where is that found in this? <laughs> exactly. Or even Luther's table. You know, yeah, we don't have, you know, we do have the Lord's Prayer. That's the one he taught us. Uh, there are some other prayers of Jesus. Uh, you've got John 17, which is high priestly prayer, where he's talking to the Father and he's praying on our behalf that that, you know, that didn't fit. But, yeah, it's the only one we know. Um, I, I don't know. He could have said it. Uh, keep going. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying... So, uh, similarly, we have him uh, taking a cup. Obviously, there's a cup of wine that came from the from the Passover, may have been the fourth cup, it may have been another, What I, I, I don't know. Uh, um, and, uh, having given thanks, so we have a, a prayer of, of thanksgiving, a, a table prayer, uh, he gave it to them, and we've got the quotes, once again, drink ye all of it, this cup is the new, says my other ship, forgive the remission of sins, this too is often you drink and remember to me. I mean, we can go through the same kind of things. We know that we're supposed to drink. Um, we know what it is. We know, and and then there's that remembrance. Again, it's not something s- separate. It's not something else. You know, those those four actions. Taking. Well, he took, and he took. I mean, does that sound like, boy? I better make sure you 
take. I mean, I, I mean, what? I don't know. That just doesn't. That doesn't sound like you know. I think I would forget about it. You know, like I, I, of course. I mean, it's just the thing you do. Um, you know. So the next one is give thanks. Granted, he did it. We don't have the words. We don't, and it doesn't appear to be the thing that we're supposed to. The next is the breaking. Uh, you know, if in order to distribute, that's the that that's the only reason that there was breaking um, for it. And the last is distribution. Okay, I'm with you on that one. Um, I, I got you know, I'm not. All of a sudden. Now, now, tell me, what if if I was going to say to you, what what's the important thing? What are the important? I, I guess what we want to call them actions. What are the important actions that you find with the Lord's Supper? Eating and drinking. Eating and drinking. So the, just there's reception, reception, and obviously for there to be reception, distribution. I got to distribute it. So I got to distribute it. Well, by faith, you better, you guys better, if you are receiving, you better know why you're receiving. So that comes with the receiving, receiving in a way in which you understand. I don't want to give it to you so you don't understand, or give it to kids that don't understand. All the other things are things Jesus did, that's not what he tells us to do. Right. The apostles didn't have anything to do with this. They received it, period. Um, It's a free gift. It's the gospel. So, this, obviously, there was a change as it kind of went forward, and one of the things, oh, I don't know if I can get to it there, but I know I can get to it really uh, uh, quickly here. Uh, here's where they talk about the Eucharistic prayer. Check this out. Notwithstanding the force of this position, uh, many Lutherans have long desired something richer, warmer, emotionally more expressive. Something less likely to foster erroneous conceptions, something more in harmony with the New Testament account and with the thought and practice of the universal church. We have seen the scriptural statement that first of all our Lord blessed the bread and the wine and then gave them to the disciples with the words and institution as uh, we call them. Uh, this admonition, this do, includes the entire action. We need to think a little bit wider. Uh, uh, as far as we're concerned, it goes on to uh, uh, talk about the prayer thanksgiving, the blessing, the invocation of the Holy Spirit. It left a, a gaping void, a central problem in the Lutheran uh, rite. And then uh, finally, it talks about a uh, what does it say? If I can find it. Um, it, it, it said uh, the bare words of our Lord are an excessive overemphasis on the words of institution. Yeah, Luther and the Lutherans just emphasize these words just a little too much. Really? That's what our Lord is saying. It's a sacrament. It's him giving out the forgiveness of sins. Of course, for the remission of sins. And and he's told us, and that's what needs to happen. 
any time you now take this thing which the Lord has given and you start adding to it, Luther said what happens is it changes it. So as soon as we start adding to, so let me give you the example. The offertory that was cut out. Uh, here's the prayers. We offer up to you this this bread which which we have taken from, and we offer up to you, O Lord, this wine which you have uh, provided for. Really? At the point that we're getting ready to have Lord's Supper, you want to talk about this this great gift we're giving you, Lord, of bread and wine. What? I mean, tell me how how important is you know. I mean, I would liken it to a uh, the painter of the Mona Lisa, you know, and and in, you know here you've got the, the the Mona Lisa, and we're going, oh, I offered up to you paint and a canvas, you know. Should we praise my paint and canvas, or should we praise the Mona Lisa? I mean, should we talk about our Lord's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins, or my offer of bread and wine? That is crazy. I mean, of course Luther cut that out. That's like saying, well, thanks for Christ's body and blood, but here, take it back. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was, um, what about if we begin and and we we talk about all of this thanksgiving, where we're thanking for this and we're thanking for this, and boy, are we thankful, and let's do a lot of thanking. Well, with just a little bit of effort, we could make this all about what we're going to do and just totally remove God from the equation. Correct. Correct. we already have. That's what happened. And that's why, to get back to what is the sacrament, all of a sudden, this thing... Are they still saying the words? Oh, yeah. But it's a sacrifice. So uh, we'll offer it up to you because you told us to do it. Is that what this says? Go do something? No, it's the receiving of the gift. Luther nailed it when he said, if we can only do the words of institution, we'll have it as a work of God, not as a work of man. And that's why. Now, what were some of the things that got in? Let me just say it on the way. Um, There was a prayer in the Eastern Church, and they still have it in all the Eastern Church, and the Western Church it fell away in about the 4th century. It's called the Epiclesis. Um, the Epiclesis is the change. That's what that word means. It's a Greek word that means change. So what happens is, uh, right around the words of institution, you have a prayer in which you pray that the Holy Spirit would change the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And, and and in the East they say, oh, you guys got it all messed up because you don't have the prayer for the change. God can't do without our prayer. I guess not. You got? Yeah, I mean, you see what? All of a sudden you went, wait a minute. What about this? In the Roman church, what happens? The priest gets the indelible character. Indelible, indelible means you can't mark it off, right? Um, it's the equivalent of the permanent marker, you know, the permanent marker, the black permanent marker, you know. So whenever you ordain the priest, you have the black marker, and you write on him, and he can never mark, wash it off. And what does that do? It gives him the power to change the elements. You couldn't do it, but if you're the priest and you got the indelible character, you can change the elements, right? 
Um, so that's what it, that's what it says. So so once again, let's go back to their own ass. What happens? Who does it? The priest. He does it up front. Do you have to listen? No. No. You you irrelevant. Just as long as he does it. And then, what's the doctrine that the Roman Church has for this? You received it if you were there. Two. Transubstantiation. Substance, trans, change. So the substance changed, whatever. So how do you know when the priest transubstantiates, when he gets this done? Here you go. We got it. That's what it, that's what the emphasis, wait a minute. That's offensive. What's the emphasis of this? That's all about what God's doing for us. He's doing work there. Right. And for you, the Lord wants you to what? Receive it. Receive it. Absolutely. I mean, there's a process. You take the bread, you say the words, you know, you distribute and you receive it. But the important part is not the transubstantiation. No. It's the receiving the forgiveness. But you can see how it changed. It cha- the emphasis changed. Luther says, let's get back to the words. Let's take that that away. Um, that kind of thing is getting in the way of what we want uh, 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 to happen. So, if that's true, why do we keep the words? Why are the words there. Is it simply a uh, uh, authorization, I think they call it a warrant, (laughs) authorization to do something? So, for example, when I get ready to give you the forgiveness of sins, I give you my credentials. As a called and ordained servant of the word, it's my authorization to get something done. Right? And you kind of go, Oh, okay, the Lord sent him. Is this just, here is the authorization to to do something. Is that what this is? No. Karen? It's God's word consecrating the elements. It is. And we're to be aware of that. Yes, yes, that's important. Yeah, this, this is teaching us why we're doing this. This is part of the remembrance of, know, of knowing why it's trusting it. So if I don't say the words, you don't know what I'm giving you. Yeah, might not. Yeah. Um, did I ever tell you how I was in a, I think it was a nursing home? I was in a nursing home. I was visiting one of my members. And uh, uh, the person sitting next, the, the one in the bed beside there, uh, was was a Roman. And and the priest came came in, and uh, and and I'm 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 the Roman priest. I'm here to give you Lord's supper, okay? And he walked away. I, well, he done the work in every he didn't need to. She didn't even know what's going on. <laughs> I, well, I, they didn't hear. It I'm just going to say, you know, I mean. Uh, uh, when I bring Lord's Supper to our to our shut-ins, we have a service of the Word. We have a service of the Lord's Supper, and the words are said. You know what I mean? Uh, um, I, I can speed this thing up. 
I had no idea. You know, it takes me all afternoon Thursday to go and visit three different shut-ins. I can get this done in about three minutes per shut-in, and then I'll, I'll be back. Um, it's all part. It's all part of the gift. It's the whole thing. I don't. On your pink sheet, it goes on to explain, and it lets us know. For the true and almighty words of Jesus Christ, which he spake at that first institution, that is, when our Lord did it, that Monday, Thursday, they were efficacious. They had an effect. Not only at the first (coughs) supper, but they endure, and they are valid, and they operate, and they still are efficacious. They still do their job. Uh, uh, They endure, and they avail even to the present. So that in all the places where the supper is celebrated, according to the institution of Christ, his words are used, the body and blood are truly present, distributed, and received, because of the power and efficacy of the words which Christ spoke at that first supper. I can't make the body and I can't make bread and wine become body and blood. Um, I, I can say the words, but but I can't I can't. I can't do anything. But the Lord, who by just like in creation can say it and it happens, when he says it, um, he is the one that makes it such. You can see that the transubstantiation, the Roman kind of did, that, oh, I'm the one that's going to make it happen. No, not not at all. So then with the Roman Catholic, it's that he, the priest is the person. He can do it. For us... We have the word of God saying that he's going to work through you to do it. Now, if anybody else does it, we just don't know. We don't know. We have no... no It's not authorized. It's not according to it. But because I'm the called and ordained minister, I've been... That doesn't mean I've been given the indelible character, this special power, this thing, you know, when... It's just that this is the way you do this, and the Lord promises that when we do it according to his institution... He promises to give us. He works it. It's his work. It's what he's doing. Um, they quite they quote uh, uh, Chrysostom, a fourth century uh, pastor. Christ Himself prepared this table and blesses it. For no man makes the bread and wine set before us the body and blood of Christ, but Christ Himself who was crucified for us. These words are spoken by the mouth of the priest, but by God's power and grace, that is by the word where He speaks. This is my body. The elements presented are consecrated in the supper. Goes on, and I've, I've given you the other. It's not my work. It's not my speaking. Here's the thing, and uh, to make it kind of clear, we say these words because that's according to the institution. That's what he wants done. He wants these words said. Two, he wants these words said so that you have. Uh, something to trust in so that you might have a remembrance, do this in remembrance, in faith. We also say these words so that we can, and, and normally, it all depends on how you use the words, usually we say, well, you can say that Jesus consecrated at the first institution and we bless. But sometimes they use consecrate. What do we simply mean? I set apart bread and wine. This bread and wine on this altar, touch it, maybe cross, whatever, that's what I'm talking about. 
when I do this, I am setting aside that which is to be used for Lord's Supper. Uh, it's not all the bread and wine in this building, or all the bread and wine in Heron. It's saying, this, we are going to use for it. Uh, if I set aside this bread that's on the altar, and I don't give it out. See, Saul, I want you to put it in a box and carry it around. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what that is. It's not Lord's Supper. Because um, I don't know what we're doing. Because that's not what, you know, uh, we're following the words that, that our Lord has said. So that's 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 why we use those words um, in connection with that. So we've had the, the Sanctus. Um, I'll come back. I'll talk about the Lord's Prayer just a little bit. But, but then you have the words of institution. Those are the things that make this what it is. And by doing it this way, Lutherans have kept our words, our Lord's intention concerning this supper, that it's a sacrament, that it's not our work, that it's his work, that we've come to receive his body and blood. Uh, that's what it does. Mary? When I was a child, my grandfather used to eat bread at every meal. And when I asked him why, he said, because it was the staff of life. But number 78 at the bottom of the pink page says to me beautifully the answer to that he is, he is giving by saying it was a staff of life. I think he was attributing it to the grace of God. But he was not claiming, as some people do, that every time we eat bread, we're eating the Lord's bread. Okay. Um, Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gift to us through your Son. We thank you also for the Lord's Supper, and we ask that we might celebrate it according to your Lord's intention and according to his words of institution, uh, that we might uh, receive it as your gift to us, uh, that in which we can trust for the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.